What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, on Thursday, November 1st. Yes, October is over, and boy, it was a long month. Like, uh, I don't know, if it, it must have been work, and also I'm trying to buy a house right now. Just so many long things. I'm kind of actually happy it's over. Weather's been up and down. I'm excited for the fall weather, but uh, November 1st means... Halloween was yesterday, and I don't know if everybody still celebrates this. I, I've i never been the biggest fan of Halloween, but this year was a little different. Uh, I did a couple's costume with my girlfriend. It wasn't my choice, uh, but we went as Squints and Wendy Peppercorn from the Sandlot, and uh, that's great taste in her point, in her call, because uh, that's like a one of the top couples costumes i think out there uh it's gonna be my choice next year but uh you know i might change it up a little bit might do something a little bit funnier but uh, i think it did a really good job i mean most of the things i already had i just needed to buy converse and she looked great so hey kudos to us for doing the uh, couple's costume and uh i did see a lot out there this year uh i saw the big one was the incredibles that made a big comeback this year uh, a lot of family ones did that, but you know the problem with Halloween on a Wednesday is nobody really knows when to celebrate. We celebrated the weekend beforehand. I guess people still might be celebrating this upcoming weekend. That really doesn't make too much sense to me, but uh, I mean, when it's on a Wednesday, you don't really know what to do. I mean, we had trick-or-treaters coming up Wednesday night uh, at work. Tuesday afternoon, trick-or-treaters came in. Uh, now there's a petition going around. People want to change Halloween to the last Saturday in October. And, like, people got to, like, chill. Like, not everything's going to be perfect for you, okay? We're not going to change Christmas so that it's always on a Friday or something. We're not going to change 4th of July so that it's on a, a Friday. You know, these some some things need to have a certain date. Okay, Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, which is supposed to mean the night before All Saints' Day. All right, this goes back to, this is like a Catholic holiday, kind of. We Americanized it, obviously, with candy and costumes and, you know, dressing up as Elvis or a three-headed monster. We get it, like, you know, we've changed it, but you can't just change everything so it's easier for parents. Like, Get over it. Get over yourselves. Roll with the punches. This has been around forever, and uh, we're not going to change it just because, you know what? It'd be a little easier for us. Like, I'm over that shit. It's like, you know, time to gear up a little bit. But uh, it was still cool. You know, I enjoy Halloween. I enjoyed it more this year because we just seemed like we did a whole lot more. Went out, did Johnny Max, owned the bar. That was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, it's over. But one of the things I really needed to to, uh, to look into this year on Halloween uh, was the candy ranking. Last year, I did my top five Halloween candies, and I got to be honest, I need to do a recount. You know, this year, had a couple pieces here and there and realized I was favoring a couple, like the Snickers and the Baby Ruth's, a little bit too much. And uh, I don't like a 100 gram bar, too. I realize that. So I needed to do a recount. And my top five Halloween candies are, number five, Butterfinger. Okay? This would be higher. It tastes delicious. 
but it like makes me sick afterwards and it also gets like really stuck in my teeth. So for that, I got to keep it down at number five or else it would be higher. If they find a way to make a Butterfinger that's like less cavity inducing and not going to like send my stomach into like, I don't know, like getting hurt, uh, it would be higher than number five. But right now it's still in the top five, but only down at five. Number four. Okay, I I dissed this one last year, and to be honest, I had Twix in over it, but I think it dominated Twix this year just because it, I I don't have a reason, but it just it's lighter, milk chocolatey, just better than Twix, I guess, because I don't need the caramel and stuff. I like a Kit Kat. Uh, I didn't I didn't have it before. I have it now. And it's number four on my list. Number three, newcomer to the list as well, the Take 5. Now, there's something to be said about longevity, right? I mean, Reese's is coming out with a new candy like every day. So like chill out Reese's. They have like the Reese's Pieces. Then they have like the Reese's Sticks. Then they have Reese's Sticks filled with Reese's Pieces. Then they have the Reese's Big Cups. Then they have Reese's Big Cups filled with chocolate chunks. Reese's Big Cups. Filled, filled with peanuts, Reese's Big Cups filled with Reese's peanut pe- pieces. It, it's it's like, it's a little too much. Like, stop it. Just stick to one thing. But the Take 5 has been around a good amount now. And I'll give credit to my boy Brian Poppert, who has been a Take 5 fan since the get-go. And Take 5 is really good. And it's it's this is a borderline Halloween candy because it's not exactly the originals like I, you know we were mentioning before, but it's been around for a little bit long enough that I think it has earned its place in the league of Halloween candies. And when it comes to chocolate filled with pretzel, peanut butter, peanuts, like it's it's a really good combo of a bunch of tastes. And for that, it's number three with room to grow. All right, number two, this has always been my top two without changing, is peanut M&M's. You can pop a million of them throughout the day. Uh, You freeze them, they're good. Uh, I mean, peanut M&M's are the best. It's by far the best in the M&M family, and it's the best, like, grab and toss type. You know, the rest are, like, wrapped. Peanut M&M's you can just grab a handful of. I, I've explained it all last year. And number one is the Reese's Cup, the original. Uh, not much to explain there either. Everyone loves a peanut butter cup. If you don't like peanut butter, obviously it's not on there. But if you like peanut butter, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is kind of towards the top for everybody. And uh, it it doesn't change. Even though there are a bunch of you know Reese's family members that are trying to make this like like, like a Reese's Enterprise, it's a little much. But the original cup is still the best. That that won't be that won't change. All right, what else about this Halloween? You know, changing up the candies was big. Couples costume for next year. I'm already thinking of ideas. I'm gonna try and convince my girlfriend to go as Guns and Roses. Maybe I'll go as Slash. She'll go as Axel Rose. That's like decently easy. You know, she wears the kilt and the bandana and all uh go shirtless with like a leather vest and the hat and the hair like that that could that could possibly work maybe go as like Hugh Hefner and a Playboy bunny uh she'll have the robe on with the uh 
the pipe, and I'll have the leotard with the bunny ears. That could work. I don't know. Never too early to start thinking about next year's plans. So uh, I'm going to make a splash because I don't like to half-ass these things. When I'm given the freedom at this, I want to really do it up. So that'll be a lot of fun to look forward to. But this year on Halloween, actually, my girlfriend and I, we didn't go out for anything. We went to the movies and we went to see the new Halloween movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. And if I'm being 100% honest... Like, I enjoy a scary movie here and there. Uh, for those who know me, know that I tend to uh, frighten easily. Uh, I'll jump in my seat if uh, at the, like, gotcha moments. Those get me. I, uh, I, I won't hide that. But I haven't had, like, I haven't seen many of these Halloween movies. You know, there's the Halloween, like, H2O and... There's like Halloween, 30 years. This one's supposed to be like Halloween, 40 years to the day, Michael Myers. And if I'm doing the one-minute review, I'll start right now. And to be honest, did not like this movie. It just... I, I, I watched the original just to like get myself like into the mode. And it seemed like it did way too many things tied to the original. Like... And it was like pandered to the crowd. It was like, oh, look, we're doing it in this scene again. And oh, look, oh, we're doing that type of... And it's like, you know, he only killed a couple people before this. You know, and he killed four people that night uh, in the first movie. That's it. He killed four people. He killed four people in like the opening scene in this one. Also, like the bus getting out like and, and like crashing. And it, like he's on the loose and... It just way too many stuff perfectly mirrored the original that I was just like not really entertained by it. And then Judy Greer got to be the hero, and she doesn't really have the hero gene, to be honest. And they, you know, apparently killed him, but they didn't show him die, so they left that wide open. It's like, I don't know. I think Jamie Lee Curtis, after seeing him not die so many times, wants to put a bullet in his fucking brain if she really wants him dead. So, wasn't my favorite uh, in terms of scary movies. It did get me at a couple moments, like the pop moments, and uh, I won't deny that because my girlfriend was laughing at me so hard when I jumped, and uh, I can't help it. You get me, you know. So, uh, but I give it, I don't know, a five out of ten. I did not like this movie all that much. Uh, I enjoyed going. I had a lot of fun. I thought it was really cool to see Halloween on Halloween. And uh, I just, you know, it's not really my genre. And I feel like they were force-feeding another Halloween movie. That's all. So, anyway, it was a fun Halloween. I had my uh, David Pumpkins jacket, and I wore that to the movies or to work. I won my pumpkin carving contest at work. I lost the pumpkin carving contest at sam's brother's house which was bullshit that was all popularity vote because you know given mine a week it melted down a little bit and it became really scary with all the warts and stuff on it so after being a champion of apple picking after being a champion of pumpkin carving at the office i felt like i actually really did win the pumpkin carving at sam's brother's house you know they used stencils they traced uh 
You know, I freehanded it and uh, made mine scary as hell with the warty pumpkin and uh, let the candles burn down so that it was all the soot on the inside too. So it made it look really freaky. It was a it was a phenomenal pumpkin. So kudos to me. Uh, but we're past apple picking. We're past pumpkin picking. We're past the corn mazes and the hay rides. That's that's gone. We're moving on to Thanksgiving, to Bros giving with all the guys. Moving on to Heine Crawl. We're moving on to college football playoffs. Lots of fun things coming in. So we'll jump right into the college football playoffs. The first rankings came out this week. Alabama number one, no surprise. Clemson number two, not really a surprise, but some people found it a little surprising. Number three was LSU. Again, I felt felt like that was fine. And number four was undefeated Notre Dame, just edging out number five, one loss Michigan, who they had beaten earlier this season. Now, I'm okay with all the rankings. Uh, I think Ohio State down at 10 is a little low because do you really think Kentucky is a more deserving playoff team than Ohio State at this point? I do not. And I felt like, and this was my biggest beef, was the ACC got way too much credit. And this is why they are already showing, the playoff committee is showing, that they really want Clemson in the playoff over Michigan. And here's why I say that. And Joel Klatt pointed out a lot of these points on Colin Cowherd's show. But Colin Cowherd's so loud and obnoxious that he interrupted Joel every time he was trying to make a point. The point Joel was trying to make and rudely didn't get to was by pumping up all these ACC schools at the bottom of the top 25, right? NC State, Boston College, Syracuse, UVA. Those teams aren't that good. They are they are not worthy of a top 25 ranking. And they edged out Northwestern, Wisconsin, Michigan State. And that thus discredits all of the Big Ten teams that are ahead of them. Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. You know, by having those second-tier Big Ten teams unranked and the second-tier ACC teams ranked, it gives more credit, and they're trying to pump up Clemson a little bit. Because if we look at Clemson's schedule, they don't have anything on there. They don't play anybody all year. And frankly, it's it it's not going to change anything. They're good. They're a good football team. And they belong in the top four right now. But if they lose a game, what the committee is doing is just like putting in a kill switch to say, hey, listen, we have Clemson, Clemson's back right now by putting these teams in the top 25 so that we can say, well, yes, Clemson lost a game, but they have these wins over top 25 teams. No, 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 no. Michigan has the wins over top 25 teams. Ohio State has the wins over top 25 teams. They messed up by putting in NC State, Syracuse, UVA, Boston College. Those teams shouldn't be ranked. Wisconsin should be. Northwestern should be. Michigan State, borderline, probably should be. Then I would put NC State in. And that's the problem. is Because if those teams were in, then they're giving Michigan the winner of Michigan-Ohio State, the chance in saying, hey, listen, the the winner here belongs in the playoff. Because to be honest, I think we're going to have a problem on our hands in terms of Big Ten versus ACC. I see Alabama getting in. 
and I see people possibly putting Notre Dame in as long as they take care of their business. And then it comes down to ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, possibly Pac-12, and a second SEC team. There's just not the, the spots in the playoffs rankings right now. And if Clemson loses a game, it really muddies it, which is why I think they're backing up Clemson already. So I think the winner of that Ohio State-Michigan game might be in a little bit of trouble. It's not going to be as smooth sailing as I originally thought it would be. Uh, for a while, I've been thinking the winner of that game is in no matter what. Right now, I'm a little skeptical on that statement. I still think the winner of that game, if they win out and win the Big Ten Championship, they'll find a way to get in. I think LSU will lose to Bama this weekend and fall down the rankings, and Georgia might creep up, but if Georgia loses in the SEC Championship, they'll fall back down. Kentucky is is around right now, but they'll be gone soon. They are pumping up the SEC a lot, but I think as long as Bama runs the table, they're going to be the only one in. So, a lot of fun to watch. This weekend's going to be great. There's a great slate. You have Alabama at LSU, one versus three. You have Clemson at home versus Louisville, should be fine. Ohio State at home uh, versus, who are they playing? Nebraska, they should be fine too. Notre Dame is at Northwestern. That is going to be a tough game for Notre Dame. This might be one of their tougher games of the year. Like I said, Northwestern, totally disrespected by the playoff committee, and they are going to be pissed with this game coming up. Notre Dame has to be on upset alert. Then you've got some other big matchups. You have number 5 Michigan hosting number 14 Penn State. That could be a really good one. And then you have a big uh, big game in the Big 12. West Virginia is going to Texas. And that is basically an elimination game for the Big 12 champion. Well, not an elimination game, but it is a huge deciding factor in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, because we assume Oklahoma is going to be there, but then West Virginia or Texas will probably be the other team. So West Virginia, 13, at Texas, 17, 14, Penn State, at Michigan, 5, Alabama, at LSU, 1 versus 3. Some really good games this weekend. And forgot to mention the best one of all, 7-0 Princeton hosting 7-0 Dartmouth. Now, not exactly a national title implication game, but if you like following Ivy League football, Knowing that there's only three weeks left in the season, and I'm going to the game on the 17th, Princeton hosting Penn, this could be the difference between an undefeated season for one of these teams. I mean, undefeated seasons don't happen all that often. I know we've seen a couple in the last decade. You know, Harvard has had some really good runs, but this is a chance to be a very special team, and there's only three games left, so uh, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Dartmouth versus Princeton on Saturday. Princeton's got a really special squad. It's going to be a great game. I kind of wish I was going, uh, but I have prior commitments uh, out west in uh, outside of my little bubble in uh, Monmouth County, so unfortunately got that going on. Anyway, uh, lots of fall football to get to this weekend, including my rundown of the games. Now, before I get to the pick'em, I want to end the week with the pick'em. Can't go this episode without talking about 
what's happened in Cleveland this week, right? Hugh was fired. Lou was fired. And to be honest, sun still rose in the morning. Things are okay. Let's start with Tyron Lou. Ty Lou, I mean, started 0-6. LeBron's not here anymore. Kyrie's not here anymore. Kevin Love's a little banged up. This is not going to be a playoff team. We tried to patch together a team that will compete. It's not happening. This isn't going to be it. So I think what's best is you move, try and move from the pieces. You move on from the head coach. You, you trade everybody. You get some draft picks, some young guys to build around, and you retool. You get a, a, a good draft pick from when you're bad this year. It's time to move in the other direction. So I think we need to do that. I personally want to thank Tyron Liu. He was part of one of my favorite teams of all time, the 2016 Cavaliers. He didn't always have the easiest job. I know he had a team with LeBron James on it, but he did a good job managing a team with a lot of egos and taking a team that had fired their coach midseason, roll through the playoffs, and then lead one of the best comebacks in NBA Finals history. I know everyone wants to give the credit more to LeBron and Kyrie, and you should, but Ty Lue had a big play in that game. In, the, in that series, and he'll always be a part of that championship team in Cleveland. And I want to thank him for everything he did. It seems like the players loved him because of all of the Instagram posts from basically the entire team after he was fired. Let go. He will land back on his feet somewhere. I mean, he's a young head coach, and he already has an NBA championship to his title. He'll be fine. And uh, what's next for the Cavs? Well... Larry Drew comes in. So far, he's 1-1. One one. He won his first game, and the Cavs aren't going to go winless. Uh, and then, you know, he got blown out by Denver two nights later. Uh, the Cavs, like I said, without Kevin Love, you know, LeBron gone, Kyrie gone. Right now, this is a team of complementary pieces. It's time to move on from a lot of these guys. George Hill, you can get a decent trade value for George Hill because of his expiring contract. J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver, you'll find a team looking for a three-point specialist for a guard off the bench that can put up some points. Tristan Thompson, I don't know what you're going to get for him, but you might be able to trade him. Kevin Love, look, there's no rush to trade Kevin Love. He's on the shelf right now. You field some offers, and you see what you can get. If not, you build around Kevin Love using younger pieces like Chetty Oshman, Colin Sexton, and... I don't know. It would be really nice if they could get like R.J. Barrett or Cam Reddish. Maybe Zion, but I kind of think Zion in the pros isn't going to be as good as Zion in college. Uh, the Cavs, this is going to be an up and down year. I'm going to tune in once in a while, but you're going to see very sloppy play. Guys learning to play at the NBA level, but you can see a lot of talent. They're just not a playoff team. And it's really good that 2016 happened because the championship window is closed. Yeah, that is over. One in seven Cavaliers. It's going to be a bouncy season. And it's like it's like the opposite of the Indians. Had the Indians won in 16, we'd be able to like kind of pack it in a little bit and say, hey, you know what? 
even though they're going to keep on winning the division and probably keep on losing in the playoffs, at least they had that in 16. The Indians don't have that. So they are going to be tasked with having to improve a team on a short budget, filling a lot of holes this offseason. That's going to be a rough watch. But the big news out of Cleveland this week is Hugh Jackson getting fired. I mean, let's just I'll just be honest. When they hired him in 2016, I really liked the hire. I thought this guy has done well in Cincinnati. He, in his only ever head coaching experience, took Oakland to 8-8. Eight and eight. I think he, you know, at the time, I liked the new change. I liked Sashi Brown going with analytics, and I liked Hugh kind of being like the fall guy for a little bit, saying, hey, listen, we're not going to be great, but who knows? Like this, uh, this, uh, he's a quarterback whisperer, but he said so many things that contradicted everything. Like he said, if I'm worth my salt as a coach, Deshaun Kaiser will be a pro quarterback. And then he throws Deshaun Kaiser under the bus every chance he gets. He mentions like, you know, not having the right personnel, but also will say things like, Hey, a good coach works with what he's given. It it was always so frustrating. Now that he's gone, he's throwing guys under the bus saying, well, I was never given a chance to run my offense. It's like, what do you think 1-31 in was? Well, I wasn't given a chance to run my offense with good players. Like, dude, fuck you, man. It, It was always about excuses with you. And it's still about excuses with him. So, I don't feel bad for letting them go. I think it was about time. They could have did it in the offseason, but I understand wanting to roll with them. John Dorsey has to find his guy. He has to find a guy that's going to work with Baker Mayfield and say, Hey, listen, Baker, we're going to put together an offense around you that works for you. Because that's what the good coaches in the NFL do. They don't force you to fit to them. They take the specimen and say, you're great at this. We're going to move the ball doing what you're great at. That's why Jeff Fisher was fired and Sean McVay came in and used Jared Goff to his skill set. That's why Bill O'Brien should get fired in Houston and they should bring in a guy that's going to use Deshaun Watson to his skill set. I hate the idea of bringing in a college coach, but I love the idea of either Matt Campbell or Lincoln Riley. I think these guys are innovative coaches, and that's the way the NFL is going, is you got to get young, innovative coaches who are going to use an offense that will make your quarterback succeed. And for us, that's Baker Mayfield. And the one thing I like about Lincoln Riley's offense is he's had multiple running backs in there, which is good because you want a team that doesn't rely on one running back. You want to have multiple running backs, so if one goes down... You're not panicking, and they have also a longer shelf life if they are taking half the snaps. So I like that aspect of it. I also like having a team that doesn't have like one big-time wide receiver but has four guys that are interchangeable and just as good. You're seeing teams like the Giants pay Odell Beckham big-time money, and then they can't get him the ball, and then they're in trouble. You know? 
name the last Super Bowl winning team that had a top-notch wide receiver. It just doesn't really happen. So I don't think that's important for the offense the Browns are going to lead. I think what's important is you do what the Rams are doing, where you have interchangeable pieces like Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. Now Josh Reynolds is jumping onto the scene where you have basically just, hey, if one guy's out, it's okay. We have other pieces that fit the bill. That's what the Browns need to do on offense, and I think that's what Lincoln Riley can get them. You have Rashard Higgins, you have Jarvis Landry, you can get a couple other receivers, maybe one in free agency, maybe one in the draft, and just have interchangeable pieces with your interchangeable running backs. Get the ball out of Baker's hand fast. He makes good, quick decisions. That way you don't put your tackles on skates all game. This is doable to turn the Browns around into a possible playoff team next year. It's still out there. I know they keep losing. I know they were blown out by the Chargers and the Steelers in two of their last three games, and they keep blowing games to the Buccaneers, the Raiders, the Saints. It's It's been a frustrating year, but we've seen a lot of growth, and I think the times are turning for Cleveland, and thank God Hugh is gone. He is going to say some nasty things about the Browns on Friday. He is going to throw more people under the bus. He will throw John Dorsey under the bus, Sashi Brown, Todd Haley, possibly Greg Williams, probably Deshaun Kaiser, maybe some D-backs, maybe Joe Hayden, maybe Josh Gordon, RG3, Josh McCown. But just remember, he coached 40 games and won three of them. He won one divisional game in in two and a half years. Okay, and I mean, it, it time was up. He was given so many life, like extra lives. After one in fifteen, I was willing to give him a pass because the team was such was so bad. But then he just kept on blaming new guys every week in the second in the zero and sixteen season. And then this year, he had a scapegoat every week, whether it was Todd Haley or it was hey we're starting a rookie quarterback. Or was, you know what, we missed a lot of kicks, that can't happen. Or, hey, it was the weather because it was raining against Pittsburgh. He never blamed the refs, though. They're trying their hardest. But no, 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 Deshaun Kaiser's not trying his hardest. You know, Miles Garrett, Manuel Ogba, David Njoku, they're not trying their hardest. The refs are trying their hardest, but not these guys. Give me a break. He had to go. He'll say some nasty things, and all it will do is prove that he had to go. All right, moving on, though. We have college f- football done. The NFL. I had a down week, but my power picks lasted really well. I had the Packers getting nine. Uh, obviously, everyone knows what happened there. The Packers were down two. Todd Gurley basically had a chance at running for a touchdown and fell on the ball so that they could run out the clock. Now, First of all, for anyone that lost money on that, you know, don't blame Todd Gurley. You gambled money. Okay? The moment you gamble money, anything can happen. You know, you're not you don't get pissed if if he got tackled and then at first and goal they take three knees. You won't get pissed at that because that's what's supposed to happen. Because it's the smart thing of do is not trying to score but trying to run out the clock and end this game. Well, that's exactly what Todd Gurley was doing. 
He was just doing it mid-play. So for those people that got pissed by the bad beat or didn't get another six fantasy points, fuck you. I mean, what I tend to see with those people are is that they're more gambler, more better instead of athlete. Or they're way too far removed from being on a football team. Because real football players know that have been on teams, selfless football players will understand that, hey, that was a good move. It's time to win this football game. Let's not give Aaron Rodgers the ball back. You know, that's what had happened. Aaron Rodgers was pissed when he went down, not because he has him on his fantasy team, but because he knew we're not going to win this football game now. If Todd Gurley had scored, there was life still in the Packers. But no, Todd Gurley goes down, and that ends the game. It was a smart play by Todd Gurley. It was selfless. So, And, you know, good for him because he was like, I don't give a shit about your fantasy teams. I want to win fucking football games. So, without further ado, let's go to this weekend slate of games. All right. Thursday night. This game is just ending, and boy, was I way off. The Niners were going to be starting a third-string quarterback, right? Nick Bullins or Muffins, Mullins was his name. Of course, they're going to lose, right? And Raiders, by getting three, Raiders are a bad team. Niners are a bad team. But at least the Raiders aren't starting a third-string quarterback. Well, turns out this one was wrong, so don't get too into my Thursday picks. I've always been way off on my Thursday picks. So, we'll just keep it at that. Alright. Moving on. Vikings hosting the Lions. Lions just traded Golden Tate. They're only giving four and a half the Vikes. Love the love the Vikings here. I think, uh, I think there's a chance that they win by like a touchdown in this one. I think that that's kind of how this game is going to go. It was a weird, weird week to trade Golden Tate. You know, I thought Detroit was still in this playoff run, but I don't know. I guess they figured it was better to lose them now and get a draft pick. I got the Vikings winning by a touchdown. All right. Chiefs at Browns. Browns fired their head coach. Fired their offensive coordinator. But there's a passion now. Hugh is out. Maybe this lifts the spirits. I got the Browns getting eight and a half. That's a lot of points for me in Cleveland, where I think they're going to come out and play pumped and ready to go now that Hugh Jackson's not there. There was a report today that said the Browns were playing faster and meaner and passionate for the first time this season. I'm excited. I think that they dial up some fun plays and they hang on and score like 30 on this Kansas City team. Lose 35-30, but we see a great Baker-Mahomes round two. That'd be a lot of fun. But the Browns cover. All right. Steelers at Ravens. You know what? In these games, I, I don't see the Ravens sweeping the Steelers this year. I think they're just as good, if not better, than the Steelers. But something tells me the Steelers aren't going to lose twice to the same team. They're playing better as of late, even though they've played worse teams than the Ravens, who you know, just lost to the Panthers and the Saints. I just think uh, 
it's hard to beat a team twice in one season in this division. <coughs> Excuse me. So I'm going to take the Steelers getting three. I think that's, um, oh, the music's saying a little loud. That's a little loud. Okay. I like the Steelers getting three here. I think uh, it's just it's just too tough to beat a team twice, and these games tend to be pretty close. Steelers are going to be pissed. I'm taking the Steelers getting the three points. Okay. Next up, we have Bucks at Fal- at at Panthers. I think the Panthers are really good, but six points is a lot, and Fitzmagic is back in the lineup. If this was Jameis Winston, I'd say definitely hammer the Panthers. Panthers have been winning tight games. Okay, that's the key part is that they're winning tight games. I think the Buccaneers hang in there. I love them getting six and a half points. I think that's my favorite pick of the week. Panthers win a tight one, 23-20, but the Bucks hang around in there. Ryan Fitzpatrick being the vertical offensive guy that need. By the way, I think it's time for them to move on from Jameis Winston. Try and trade him this offseason to a team that has an old QB, maybe the Chargers, maybe the Steelers, maybe the Giants. And move on, because I don't like Jameis Winston, and they're way better off with a journeyman. That's what it tells you. Anyway, Jets at Dolphins. This is a really tough one. Uh, The Tannehill versus Osweiler line will play into big part here, but let's say it's Osweiler. Hate, hate, hate the Dolphins with Osweiler in. The Jets are going to show their their age at times this year but this game this ought to be tight i think the jets are just as good as the dolphins who have some lucky wins and ever since their 3-0 start really have not been a good football team they got a lucky win against chicago that they blew it but then still got a chance you know when they fumbled on the goal line you shouldn't be given a chance to win again after fumbling on the goal line but chicago missed a kick miami Made theirs. Rest was history. But that's their only win since uh, the beginning of the season when they were 3-0. I like the Jets here. I think they win outright 24-23. All right. Next up, Redskins are hosting the Falcons and are only a a 1.5-point favorite. Another one of my favorite picks. The Falcons stink. They haven't gone on the road. They haven't done anything. They've played two road games, and one of them was week one at Philly. And more recently, they played at at Pittsburgh. So they haven't proven they can do anything on the road. They're 0-2, and one of those games was was with some of their defensive stars they don't have anymore. I think they can score some points on the Redskins, but... They haven't done anything on anyone, and I think the Redskins' gameplay right now will slow down the Falcons, and they'll still beat them in the line of, I think, 27-17 Redskins. I don't think this is much of a a contest here because the Redskins are an actual good football team that know how to take care of the ball, and they're going to know how to win this division. The Falcons, they're backpedaling. I see them as a top-10 pick this year. Okay, Bears at Bills, woof. Nathan Peterman back in the starting lineup because of a Derek Anderson concussion. I mean, look, one day Nathan Peterman's going to prove people wrong. 
<laughs> I mean, not like prove them wrong, but like play without throwing like four interceptions. But this Bears D is really good. I would love to see Khalil Mack play, but he's hurt right now. This would have been a great day to see him play and just get after Peterman. But regardless, without Mack, this defense is still too much. And this offense is clicking pretty well right now. I'd like to see Mitch Trubisky just hold on to the ball, not make any big mistakes. They won last week against the Jets. This is their fourth straight matchup against an AFC East team. They had two tough losses to uh, Miami in overtime, and then New England, where they threw a Hail Mary, completed it, but were tackled at the one. Then they won a pretty comfortable game last week against the Jets. Now it's time to do the same thing. It's on the road at Buffalo. Buffalo's no good. The Bears are fighting to make the playoffs. It's a must-win for the Bears, and I think they roll 27-10 over the Buffalo Bills. All right, we move on to the late games. Some really good late games this week, too. All right, we start with Texans at Broncos. Broncos just sent Demarius Thomas over to the Houston Texans. Uh, funny enough that he, you know he can stay in his own bed this week. He doesn't have to worry about traveling to Houston and then coming back here. Uh, I think he has a decent game. But it's going to be hard to incorporate him right away into the offense. So I hope they don't force it to him. The Texans are a point and a half favorites on the road. I think the altitude is something that like we, we overlook this time of year. Deshaun Watson's been playing banged up. He can't even fly. He had to drive in a bus from Houston to Florida last week. So... I mean, him in the altitude, this could be a problem. But Texans are a point underdog at Denver. I like them here. They're the better football team. They're playing great, and I don't see Denver hanging enough points on Houston to hang with them. Houston's run the ball better now, too. Their tight ends, the young guys, are doing okay. I kind of like the Texans here. 24 22. Okay. Chargers at Seahawks. I can't believe that this game is Seahawks giving one. I mean, Seahawks are an okay football team. Chargers are a Super Bowl contender. I know it's at Seattle, but Seattle's not the Legion of Boom anymore. And Seattle it doesn't have like the fierce defense that everyone knows. They run the ball a lot, and they run it pretty well. But that shouldn't, that shouldn't scare the Chargers. The Chargers' offense can do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. They are almost a lock for 28 points every week. And I think they get to 35 on Seattle. And their defense is good enough that they're going to have to force Seattle to throw the ball. And that's not going to go well for them. They win this game, let's say, 32-24 to 24 over the Seahawks. I have the Chargers still making the Super Bowl. I don't think that's changing. Rams, Saints. I can't believe the Rams are an underdog. Yes, I know that the Saints are home. This is a dome game. But until the Rams prove to me that they shouldn't be a favorite, I'm going to be taking them. Like, they're undefeated. 
They have a chance to actually go undefeated. They're a great football team. I don't think they're a lock this week. This is one of their toughest games of the year. But until they prove otherwise, I'm rolling with the Rams. Now you're telling me they're getting points? Oh, hell yeah. I don't care who's hurt in that wide receiving core. Sean McVay will find a way to score points. And uh, Todd Gurley around the edge. If that has to be it all day, that's what they're going to do. They beat the Packers last week in an emotional win. They're not going to have a letdown game today. They're not having a letdown game all season. They're ready to roll. And I got them beating the Saints 41-35. to Alright. Sunday Night Football. Packers, Patriots. Another tough primetime game for the Pack. Last week they had that tough loss to New Orleans where they were basically, or not New Orleans, the Rams, basically winning the whole game, let it slip away at the end when they fumbled that kick, and then when Todd Gurley wisely fell on the ball, the rest is history. Uh, Patriots, I I don't know, I mean, they they barely beat Buffalo. Buffalo really had them on the ropes there for a while before throwing that pick six at the end. Packers aren't going to make those mistakes. I love the Packers getting six here. I think they actually win this football game. You know, the Patriots only lose two to three games a year. This is going to be it because the Packers know what's on the line. And even though they shipped off two of their guys at the deadline, you know, trading Ty Montgomery and HaHa Clinton Dix, I think they're comfortable right now. And I think they're going to start hitting their stride. I think they win this game 35-30 over the Patriots, who right now aren't even playing great football. They're just getting by on their talent, and that's not always going to work. Well, that's not always going to work. <coughs> All right, last game, last but not least, Monday Night Football. Cowboys six-point favorites over the Titans, who have really taken a beating recently. But six points is way too much for the Cowboys to lay. They are not that good of a football team. Amari Cooper hasn't proven to be anything in this offense until this offense shows that they can actually stretch the ball down the field. I don't think they should be a four-point favorite or more than anyone. And Tennessee is a pretty good football team. Their offense doesn't really move the ball that well, but their defense is pretty strong. So this might be a first to 20 victory, and I think it's going to be, it might be even less. I think this is one is 19 to 16 Cowboys over Titans. Anyway, those are my picks. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with picks this year, and thank you all for listening to my podcast. It is super late. I need to do a much better time, much better job of getting you this podcast earlier because I am tired. I am ready to go to bed. Good night, all. Have a good weekend. And uh, peace out.